You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. I'm Nate Kading, and this is Real Success. This is the Corridor Business Journal podcast, where we explore the life and careers of the Corridor's most influential business leaders. Lisa Bluter is the head women's basketball coach at the University of Iowa and just finished her 19th season and arguably her most important, coming off an Elite Eight appearance. We talked about her surprising approach to goal setting, how team dynamics can be impacted when a superstar like Megan Gustafson emerges, and also about her daily commitment to culture building. I learned a lot, and I think you will too. Stay tuned. This episode of Real Success with Nate Kading is brought to you by Midwest One Bank. Midwest One Bank is the proud partner for doers and entrepreneurs in the corridor and beyond. As an SBA preferred lender, our team is ready to help you reach your business goals. It's empowered money management. It's Midwest One Bank, member FDIC. Lisa, thank you so much for taking the time, um, and congratulations on a, an amazing basketball season. It had the, the corridor and the entire state of Iowa um, energized around women's basketball, and it was an amazing story, um, one of the best sports stories uh, in the area um, over the past few years. The one thing, and I take my young daughter uh, to a few games, and the one thing we can always tell when we go watch your teams play is there's this genuine happiness. There seems like there's a smile on your on your coaching staff and your players' face. They're out there competing. Yeah, they're they're working their tail off. But it seems like there's a culture here um, where people enjoy the game. They enjoy being around each other. Um, before we dive into your background mm-hmm. and some of the other things, can you maybe just speak a little bit about um, that happiness and, and, yeah. and how, how you instill that love of the game and love of each other into, into your program here? Yeah, I think that's an important part. And, and Nate, thank you for bringing your daughter to our games. We appreciate that. Um, but the culture of our basketball program is something that we work at all the time, and we know it just doesn't happen. It's something that you have to be mindful of and that you have to make sure that you continue to work on it all the time. And we really you know, have a, a, a philosophy of we care about each other. Uh, you, you don't all necessarily have to like each other, but you got to care about each other. And there, there's a difference there. You know, you, Sometimes you just don't like people, but you can make a choice to care about somebody. Sure. And we have to make that choice every day. And I think that's just a part of our culture. One of our values is everyone matters. Everyone matters on our team, you know, regardless if you don't play or if you're Megan. I mean, mm-hmm. you're all important to the success of our program. And I think that our women really feel that. And they also see the camaraderie of our staff. And uh, our staff has been together for a long time. And I think when they see that, they see, wow, that works with them. Sure. You know, it, it, maybe we, that's a good example for yeah. them. Do you, did you have a, a coach or a mentor as you were growing up and, and playing sports as a kid or in any other environment, a teacher that that modeled that sort of behavior for you early on? You know, I had a great high school coach. I was very, very fortunate. Uh, she was actually just an assistant coach. I shouldn't say just. She was an assistant coach. I went to Linmar High School, and she had just graduated from William Penn in 1976, and that's okay. when William Penn, I mean, everybody was all the same in the AIAW days. And so uh, back, I meant the same as far as competition yeah. levels. And so, uh, Sue Nash was our Sue Kuderno was her name at the time and she graduated and at 22 years old was our high school coach and she had just come off being a, a Kodak All-American and so one of the top 10 players in America and it was really cool to have her you know but also like Vivian Stringer uh, you know when I was starting out coaching she was a great mentor for me. What, what were the commonalities amongst Vivian and your, your high school coach were there core philosophies that 
that would define their 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 coaching their approach to coaching and their approach to leadership if you, you know, were to, if you were to boil it down um you know vivian um you know i just saw her really from a tactical type of situation like watching her practice or in games i didn't get to really sit down and talk philosophically with her very often uh, but with my, my high school coach, I just saw a love for the game. I saw somebody that really made a difference in women's life, somebody that really cared about other people and, and just loved it and, and was passionate about the game. And so I, I hope that I embrace some of those same type of philosophies. Sure. And when you, when you were a, a high school athlete at, at Linmar, was a professional career in athletics, was that something that was always in the stars for you? or Far you, from <laughs> it. Far well, from it. You know, I was uh, growing up in the 70s. I wanted to be a, a PE teacher. And everybody said, don't do that because there is no, uh, there's no jobs available in, in education right now. So I actually went to Northern Iowa and got a business degree. I have a marketing degree uh, and an art minor. And I, I actually think my business degree has been really good for me as kind of, you know, the women's basketball coach here because there's so many similarities between marketing and management and public relations. And uh, there's just so, so many things that are the same. Sure. And did you, did you get right out of UNI? Did you get right into coaching or was there, did you have a foray into business? No, I uh, did one year. I worked for an advertising company up in, uh, in uh, Waterloo okay. and uh, I did that for a year and I missed basketball desperately and uh, wanted to get back into it. And so found a way. Yeah. What, what was it about, about basketball and, and the sport that, that you missed the most then? You know, I think it's, it is the competition, uh, especially back then. Uh, it's not as much anymore, ironically, but when I started out, it's just I missed the competition, the camaraderie, mm -hmm. you know, being a part of a team, um, having this unbelievable goal that you can really see if you reach it or not. Um, it's tangible. You know, in business, sometimes you don't always see those things unless you own the company. And yeah. but, but in basketball or in, in, in athletics, I mean, you see that direct result. You get immediate feedback right even on a practice yeah. you know uh so here's the I opponent think, we're going to prepare and there's at the end of the day it's an L, a w or an l yeah, and yeah yeah exactly how what is your approach to goal setting itself take take us inside the the team room and the and the groups come back after a an amazing season last year and you got a, a, a new group of women and you're, you're setting off on on a you know the next journey into the next basketball season walk us through how you guys go about setting your goals for the yeah. next year and, and how, how you how you go about that whole process. Yeah, my philosophy has changed on that a lot. I used to be a big uh, goal setter as far as, you know, having these man, you know, make sure that they're defined and they're uh, achievable. I had all these, you know, things that I was really working on with goal setting and I've really changed my my philosophy on that. And now it's really goes back to the simple, be the best you can be and work on process goals every day. And, and you know, I, like this year was was obviously I think highly successful getting to the elite eight finishing seventh in the country all those things this was a successful season but I think some years where you don't win as many games even mm -hmm. they've been just as successful uh, because maybe that's the best that that particular group could do I think there's too much comparing nowadays like you, you compare yourself to the person next to you do you score as many points do you win as many games do you make as much money you know those type of things right. well there's always going to be people that make more than you score more points get better grades than you so instead you know looking internally what is the best I can do and to me that is um, a healthier approach mm -hmm. uh, and also working on just you know we talk about process goals now with our team yeah okay we want to be highly successful what is it going to take for us to do that? Sure. You know, how many shots does that mean? How much does it mean we're going to watch film? So we're looking at more of those process goals instead of outcome goals. More of those quantifiable daily sort of objectives. And, yeah. 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 Give us give us some more examples. You said how many how many jump shots a day or yeah. a video review. What are some other uh, 
process goals that, that have that are commonly held amongst your, your group year to year? Right. Well, it's really a lot about um, balance as far as taking care of your body, even whether it's we're going to make sure we ice tub after every practice. You know, we're not going to rush out here. We're going to make sure we take care of our bodies. We're going to make sure we hydrate, uh, eat nutritionally. Um, so those type of things, how we do in the classroom, um, how much time we're going to spend in the study, how much, you know, we're going to give up on social media, maybe. Uh, so those type of things. But definitely, you know, we can quantify shots all the time. That's really easy to do. For example, this summer, I'm asking my team five days a week, in addition to all their other things, but in, on their own, uh, to make 250 shots five times a week. Wow. Uh, so I think that those are process goals that are not going to maybe say, say if we're in the Big Ten championship game next year, mm-hmm. but help us to get there. And a big thing um, in business now, uh, it's not brand new, but you see it's more prevalent as sort of data analytics. And you talk about kids coming in and, and shooting 200, making 250 jump shots. Mm-hmm. Talk a bit about data and statistics. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously very prevalent in sports. There's, you know, bean ball from the Oakland Athletics oh, yeah. and those sort of things. How have you guys implemented um, tracking data, using data, either from a scouting perspective or helping players, you know, with their process goals? Right. Chat a bit about how data plays a part in and how you've built the organization here. Yeah, uh, there's so much that you can use now. And, and it really helps you as far as uh, scouting um, and even looking at yourself and seeing what you're good at. So there's a program synergy that we use that really tracks every time after a game you know, how many times a person drove right versus drove left or how they handled ball screens or if they were good, you know, when they closed out on defense, if they get beat. So there's so much information out there now that you can really analyze individually and as a team what you're poor at offensively and defensively and, and really devote your time to that. But then on the flip side is is looking at your opponents, sure. seeing what they're where, where, where we can attack this. You know, yeah. they're not very good at ball screens. We're going to set more ball screens this game. Is the synergy tool is that all automated? Like there's a there's a game and it, and it plays and it just spits out all this data to you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then how have you guys? You can customize what that data is. Sometimes there could be yes. such a thing as too much data. So yes. how, do, how do you how have you prioritized what's important to you guys and what isn't? How, talk a bit about that. There is it's it's it overflows. There is right. way too much. And I think sometimes you can get caught up in it and, and too. Much and so we identify at the beginning of the year the specific areas that we really want to focus on and how we might adjust our scouting report based on those factors and and really not try to pay attention to the rest of them because yeah. uh, that gets too much otherwise. How about like everyone? I think obviously knows Megan Gustafson. What mm-hmm. are what were some data points that were important oh. for her as she evolved in her career? What you know the the minute things? What was she really paying attention to? Well, her right hand. You know, she was very left-handed dominant, and so you could tell. Well, well, Megan, going on your left hand, you're a 64 percent shooter. But on your right hand, you're a 54% shooter. So, mm-hmm. you know, I told her that one summer and, and she went home and everything that she did on the left side, she did twice as much on the right really? side to improve that area. That's awesome. Um, and again, about Megan, you know, an ama- you know, the best basketball yeah. player, men's or women's to come through the University of Iowa, an amazing career and, and an even better senior year. Talk a bit about that dynamic. I think it's the case probably in most businesses where if there's a, a large group of people, there's there's there tends to be the the standout or the or the superstar. Mm-hmm. But that can that can come perhaps with some challenges as well. Talk yeah. a bit about how as the leader and the the manager and the executive of the women's basketball program, how you dealt with with that sort of uh, dynamic as Megan right. evolved into that that superstar and took on this bigger than bigger than life uh, persona. Yeah, and that was a really uh, different from what we usually are. I mean, our goal usually is to have five women in double figures and be a very balanced scoring team. So you really we think we're hard to guard when we're like that. 
But you know something, when you have a superstar, you want to build around them, right? And so we definitely did that with Megan. And I think, um, you know, part of our culture about everyone matters, that part, that piece really became important this year because she was getting all the limelight. Was there jealousy? There wasn't. Now, that's hard to accomplish when you've got 13 women, 18 <laughs> to 22 years old, and not have a lot of jealousy. Well, she really brought a lot of that on because she was the first one to thank her teammates. She was the first one to credit her teammates for her success or to credit the University of Iowa or her coaches. Uh, and, and when somebody's that humble and somebody's that gracious, sure. they're easy to follow. And they're, you know, it's, it's hard to get upset with somebody that's truly one of the best teammates ever. So I think she was a great teammate. And then secondly, I think the culture of you matter no matter how much you're in the game, no matter how much you score, you're important. Monica Sinano, our backup post player, really only played about five minutes a game, but she went against Megan every single day in practice. How important was that? You know, it was, it was very important. And so even though Monica didn't get the limelight, she certainly was a big part of developing our team. And so that everyone matters, no matter how much you're contributing, really uh, came through, uh, helped us this year. Yeah, that's great. Um, take, take us a bit behind the scenes, uh, you know, everybody, the, the player coach relationship, we talked a bit about that, but how about staff to staff? Talk a bit about how, how you guys, you know, put together practice plans and plans for the season and, and, and take us a bit sort of behind the scenes of the, the inner workings of, of your staff and, and how you guys go about structuring your organization and, and your approach to, to coaching the game. Yeah, I think I'm fortunate. I've had tremendous longevity in my staff and I think, uh, um, you know, the loyalty, the organization, it's so much easier when you have that longevity and you're not hiring and, and training people all the time. I think that can be so time consuming. Uh, so I think even that everyone matters really important within your staff. They've got to feel very vested. Uh, they have to um, understand that they're important. Uh, otherwise, you're going to lose those people. Uh, everybody wants to feel valued, right? You yeah. know, whether you're a player, whether you're staff. And so I think that's important. And I think I'm a person that I don't like to micromanage. Um, I believe in hiring people that have strengths, that you have weaknesses. We all have weaknesses. Um, some of us don't like to talk about them, but we all have them. So what are your weaknesses? Well, I'm going to hire staff that that's their strengths uh, to right. try to balance things out. Um, to me, that's, uh, that's really important in making them feel like they've got a part of it. Like I don't want to be the head coach and their assistant coaches and that my influence is so much more important. I don't want that. I want their feedback. I value their feedback. Um, and then I think we're stronger as a group because the team knows, wow, they know what they're talking about. This, this staff really works together. So it doesn't matter if it's Coach Bluter saying it or Coach Jensen or doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. They're all on the same page and this, you know, that person matters too. Has that openness to ideas, uh, has that always been a part of your leadership style and philosophy, or is that something you've evolved into as, as you've as your tenure as a head coach is, has gone on? Well, I'd like to say it's my philosophy, but you know something, <laughs> my first coaching job, I had one part-time assistant. So I basically <laughs> you did didn't a, have anybody give did, me any input. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, I've gotten the luxury now, especially at Iowa of having, you know, a lot of people to work with and, you know, to me, it's like, why would you not want to use if you're given, you know, Gary Barty gives me an opportunity to hire people. Why would I not want to hire the best people? And why would I not want to use them? I, I am not, I don't believe that I, I know it all. Um, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to be that person. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to share the wealth. Yeah. Talk a bit about an intercollegiate athletics. Uh, let's talk business for a second. Yeah. So, I mean, every, every program within the athletic department has some sort of budget they need to work within. Talk, give us the sort of high level of how, uh, you, you amongst your staff is someone that handles that. You got to buy equipment. You got to do all these certain things. Give us sort of. You don't have to give exact numbers, but how yeah. does that how does that work within a 
large Division One Big Ten institution? I mean, how, how are you guys managing budgets and expenses and all those sort of things? Yeah, you know, our director of operations really prepares our budget that we're going to submit to the administration. And then obviously they have the final say, whether it's yeah. yay or nay or up or down or whatever. And that's on but, a fiscal year. You yeah. Did like, yeah. When, yeah. When so is every that March in, we every do March, that, okay. uh, which is a tough time for us because we're right in the postseason play, but it's right. when it happens. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a lot of our expenses are really set, you know, mm-hmm. scholarships and salaries and those things are pretty much set. And your travel, a lot of it's based on the Big Ten. And so, you know, if you're going to be going to Indiana and about how much that's going to cost. So the, 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 the expenses really don't change a whole lot from year to year other than a little bit of travel. Okay. How about donor gifts? How do those play a part in? Because can donors earmark gifts directly to a certain program? And does that go right into your budget or how does that work? They can, um, you know, and we like it when, um, you know, people would like to want to endow a scholarship for women's basketball, for instance, uh, or if they want to give a gift to women's basketball, they certainly can. And, and you know, sometimes we're project driven, like we want to, uh, something in our locker room or, you know, a foreign tour program or something like that. So we would be, maybe be raising money for that particular item. Uh, but it, it does help in the general budget that, that we can go there if we are if we don't uh, have something in our right. normal budget. Yeah, and they, they do a great job. And there's been big changes over the last year, few years in just nutrition and, and oh. the, kind of the, the, the whole athlete. Talk, yeah. talk a bit about that and, and how, how you guys support um, your athletes as they're coming through collegiately. I mean, 20 years ago when, when, when mm. I was here, it was, uh, you know, training table looked a lot different. The weight rooms looked a lot different. Yeah. There weren't some of the sports psychologists on hand. That's what's really changed tremendously in the 20 years is like, yes, we have sports nutritionists now. We have sports psychologists. Are, you know, we have more strength trainers. Uh, those people that all help the student athlete's life, uh, it's amazing that we're paying attention to every part of their life and not just what they produce for us on the basketball court. The academic tutors that we are able to offer our, our players. I mean, these are all things that, I mean, they were not here 20 years ago. And that's how much sports has really, really changed. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the things that stayed the same for you, knowing your philosophy is your kind of commitment to mentoring kind of the whole athlete. Can you yeah. share a few stories? Someone's come through your program over the years and now they're off doing something um, really remarkable professionally and maybe just some stories about how they've, they've, you know, they learned the characteristics about what it takes to be a good person or, or citizen or business person and yeah. uh, what they're doing now out there in the world after their basketball career. You know, that's the part that really gets me excited. And I, I think I said at the beginning that, you know, the competition has changed. I was really driven by competition as a younger person. And now, I mean, I know I have to win games and I'm still driven. I love to win. I hate to lose. Uh, but at the same time, what drives me probably more now is that mentoring aspect mm-hmm. and being able to really have an influence on these young women's lives. That's powerful. Uh, and that's exciting. Uh, just last week, Morgan Johnson, who graduated from our program six years ago, came down our hallway and she had just dra- graduated from medical school at yeah. Nebraska. Uh, so, you know, and, and maybe even like Jamie Printy, who when she was here as a basketball player, we kept telling her, you need to be a teacher, Jamie. You need, and she would not listen to us. <laughs> and then she went back to school to become a teacher. And now she's doing fabulous things. Um, but there is a lot of women that I'm, I've had a woman that's in the Secret Service. That's I've cool. had a lot of different professions, uh, but we've got a lot high, high level of people that are in the medical fields. Yeah, that's great. And you get that competitive competitiveness, attention to detail that, that obviously oh, yeah. has a, a direct application into that field. Um, looking forward into your professional career and, and having been here for, at Iowa for so long, how do you keep it fresh? How do, how do you yeah. challenge yourself? How do you, uh, you know, how, how do you create new culture within the organization? Talk a bit about how you, how you're 
constantly evolving uh, your philosophy, you know, haven't been here for such a long time. Yeah. You know, I think that you always have to be working on that, like reading different leadership books or listening to different things that will help, you know, make you think um, mm-hmm. about, because we have had a lot of the same staff here, so that can get stale. But the thing is with basketball, you have 25% in every year, 25% out every year. So you have a different team every right. single year, different dynamics, different strategies. And that's kind of fun that you have to come up with a new strategy with this team every year. And you have all new people coming in every year. So it, it never gets old. Any uh, recent leadership books that you've read or things you've been following that are being passed around the office here? Well, I'm reading The Warrior right now um and uh i'm a big fan of the five dysfunctions of a Mm -hmm. team the ideal team player uh john gordon's things i mean i i think that that's all provides some really good leadership opportunities too awesome we read the legacy as well i know the football team read that a few years ago that was a great that was a great read as well and do you pass those around to your athletes as well or is that we do we have a read every year uh and so our our staff will all have different reads and we'll come together and decide the one read that we want our our team to and then we dissect it throughout the summer so and that's a great way to really talk about culture too yeah and will you guys do do you have purposeful like cultural building retreats or do you guys you guys go off site here i know you're going to spain this summer for a trip Are, are you guys purposeful and any other sort of team building activities outside of the basketball court? Yeah, I think they have to happen all the time, though. I think it can't be just one little uh, seminar and then it's over. But certainly when we go like our foreign trip this year to Spain, which is wonderful, you get to do it once every four years. That is a great team building opportunity. Mm-hmm. Every fall, we do have a program that we like to bring in for a couple of days, a seminar that we'll, that we'll set up that try to emphasizes that. But I think culture is a day-to-day item. I think it's something you talk about every day. We talk about it every day at the beginning of our practice. Uh, We start our practice in a circle uh, because that emphasizes to me everyone matters. I can see everybody. And we're touching toe-to-toe because I think the human touch is really important. I think when you come to watch us practice, we're high-five queens. I mean, everybody's, (laughs) you know, somebody's walking the water cooler. I'm going to give them a high-five for doing that because uh, I think that human touch is really important. It makes it emotional. It makes it personal. Uh, So we start practice in a circle, toe-to-toe, because there's no head to the circle you know mm-hmm. there's no no foot of the table uh and everybody's the same you know there's no beginning and there's no end and so uh that's an everyday thing where we can talk about culture and it can only take it can take 30 seconds right you know what is one positive thing that happened in our program this this week in culture i can bring up examples that our team did or we can bring up something that we read in the newspaper or read in a book or a quote so it doesn't take long mm-hmm. but i think it has to be a conscious effort yeah that's awesome we end all these questions with just some uh, kind of a rapid fire series of, uh, of questions just to right off the bat here. How much of your success as you look back on your career would you attribute to luck versus hard work? <laughs> um, mostly hard work, but how I got in this was totally luck. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think you have to be at the right place at the right time. And uh, I was for my first job at St. Ambrose. I mean, honestly, the person that had the job left in August and there was nobody else that wanted the job and it pay- paid so poorly and I had my hand up and uh, <laughs> that was really it. So that was definitely luck getting into it. But after after that, it's, uh, I'd say 80-20 hard work luck. Okay, awesome. Um, you know, sports, obviously there's wins and there's losses. Has there been a an important failure or an, a most important loss that you look back on your career, a moment of adversity um, that really stands out to you that's really, in the end, has been beneficial? I think all loss is beneficial if you use it the right way. I mean, I, I learned so much from more from a loss than I do from a win. Absolutely. Uh, but the biggest probably failure that I had professionally uh, was not getting the Iowa job in 1995 when it first came open. Uh, you know, Vivian Stringer had just left in 1995 and I applied for the job and I did not get it. And I stayed at Drake for five more years. And it was probably the best thing that happened because five years later I applied for the job. I was much more prepared 
to handle it than I was at that time. That's great. Um, I was looking forward to asking you this question. Any other profession other than being a women's basketball coach? If you had one chance to do one other thing, what would it be? Okay, does Hart need a backup singer? Because I am a big Hart fan. I got to see him in Cedar Rapids a couple of years ago, uh, four years ago. Um, if there was a third one in that group, uh, Ann and Nancy move over, and I'll take one of those spots. <laughs> I like it. Um, how about a, a, a leader, someone that you've looked up to outside of the basketball world? Is there anybody else that, that you follow in an in industry or business or uh, any, anything else outside of basketball, a person? You know, most of the things that um, – you know, I, I think there's been a lot of tremendous leaders. I mean, I think President Harold does an unbelievable job um, at the University of Iowa. When you think the amount of people that he is it, watching over, managing the different areas, that is mind-boggling right. to me. And I don't know how he does it. And yet every time I have a conversation with, me, with, with him, I feel like I'm the only person in the room. I'm the only thing that he's thinking about at that time. And I think that's really hard to accomplish when you have that many uh, you know, irons in the fire. Um, I got to know Governor Ray when I was at mm -hmm. uh, Drake University. He was an interim president there. I thought he was an awesome unbelievable person, yeah. leader and a great man of integrity and character. Uh, and that's something that's always been really near and dear to my heart. Great. Uh, how about a TV show or podcast? Anything that you're, you're putting, putting at home when you, when you guys get back from work here? You know, let's go TV, but... Um TV, I'm a comedy person, okay. you know, so I, I, I love the, um, are the kids all right? This is a new series that's come mm -hmm. out. Have you seen that, Nate? Not, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. All right. The, the <laughs> Catholic family growing up in the seventies with eight boys. I, I, I think I can relate to all that. That was awesome. But, uh, I love that one, but I like all the, you know, I love the office when that was on, yeah. uh, classic, the, the middle, you know, those are great ones. Those 30 minutes you can watch in 20, yep. right? In and out. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, sports are obviously famous for motivational quotes, but if there is, if you were to have to hang one above the door on the women's basketball locker room, what would it be? Um, it would be about integrity. You know, never do anything that uh, is going to diminish your integrity. I mean, to me, that's everything. I mean, you know, you can be the world's best basketball coach, but if you don't have integrity, who cares? You know, it really is, it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. if you get there by lying and cheating, it doesn't matter. So it would be Never do anything that's going to diminish your integrity. That's great. Uh, and I know you guys cram in every minute in, into every day, but if you had 30 extra minutes uh, in a day, what would you do with it? Um, I would probably cook. I really enjoy okay. cooking, and I just don't have time to do it. <laughs> I would really like to do that. I think it's uh, fun. It's creative. It can be healthy, and I, I enjoy doing that. Great. Um, and then final question. Uh, in just one sentence, how would you define success? Yeah, it's John Wooden, right? Being the best you can be where you are with what you have. I mean, it's, uh, it's again, not comparing yourself to, to, to the person next to you, but being your best. Mm -hmm. And I think we all know inside whether we're being our best or not. Outstanding. Thank you so much, Lisa, for taking the time. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Yep. This episode was produced by Joe Coffey of Coffee Grande Studios. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CB Journal.